1: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you didn't. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app.
2: 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe
1: it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy
3: dogs, have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Right here on giants.com. And we hope the Giants mobile app. The phone number is 201 939 4513. It's funny, folks. 201 939 4513. Hopefully, taking your calls. Get in early early and often today. We don't have a practice to talk about. So we'll just be talking generically a little bit, Lance Meadow and myself. And then we will uh, try to get on the lines with you and, and talk some Giants football. And again, it's 201 939
4: 4513. Mr. Meadow, happy Thursday. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to the tail end of another busy week here in the National Football League, as well as Giants camp. And before you know it, as we were talking about earlier in the week, we are now officially one week away from the first preseason game as the Giants will go up against the Patriots. So it's exciting times. And we got our first preseason game tonight, tonight, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. Sadly, we will not be
3: seeing Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne, two guys that I think people were excited to see on the field for that first preseason game. But uh, they'll be taking their time. Doug Peterson not wanting to risk his uh, franchise level players, which I totally understand. And the first of now, I guess four preseason games for those teams. They have the I, extra I, was, game. I always yeah. think it's five, but remember now teams only play three instead of four. So um, yeah, so they'll they'll be live football tonight on NBC. So make sure you go check that out if you want to. Um, enjoy some preseason football. That should entertain you for about 15 minutes before all the backups come in and you don't know who anybody is. <laughs> I don't but, know if you're going to get 15 minutes that <laughs> yeah, either. You, yeah, you might not. <laughs> keep that in right. mind. Yeah, that may be pushing <laughs> it. You're right. That <laughs> might be pushing <laughs> it. Uh, we could talk a little bit about what Brian Dable discussed yesterday. He was peppered with some Daniel Jones questions uh, during yesterday's media availability. And I, Lance, I know you thought there were some interesting answers in there.
4: Well, the one thing he's been emphasizing, he talked a little bit about this yesterday. He also brought this up, John, in a few other pressers, is the mindset of Daniel Jones during practice. Whether or not you're emphasizing, do you want to make good decisions? Of course, that goes without saying. But at times, do you want him to test the waters a little so that, A, you're putting your secondary players in positions to make plays. So that gives Wink Martindale and the defensive staff an opportunity to further evaluate them. And then also, you're seeing what works with Daniel Jones within this offense. Are there opportunities in games where you want to maybe walk that tightrope, or do you want to rein it in and be a little bit more conservative? And overall, Brian Dable said, hey, the goal is you wanted to make good decisions, but at this point early in training camp, They sort of want that middle ground, John, where they want to evaluate Daniel Jones, but they also want him to put the defense in a position to give them some good film and good tape to go back and evaluate on a nightly basis.
3: Yeah, let me just read a couple of his answers to you. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, This was the question, Lance, I think the one that you're referring to specifically. Coach, do you look at Daniel and say that he's becoming more comfortable taking some of those chances down the field that he wanted him to take? Um, And then there was a follow-up. I'll read both answers. We got time here. And this was Coach Dable's answer. Time will tell. You know, we certainly encourage that, particularly right now in training camp and in the spring. We want to make the right decision, but I also think there's an element mentally in a quarterback's head of the fear of failure or making a mistake. If everything is really risk-reward when you're talking about plays for a quarterback. Like, is the risk worth the reward? And if it is, let's go ahead. There's situations. There's players you don't want to throw at. There's a lot of things that go into it. But really, what I want Daniel to do is to make the right play, make the right decision. And there's certain periods that we want to test the deep part of the field or see how the secondary covers, sure. But for the most part, we want to make a good decision with the football and go into the next play. If that's a 60-yarder down the field, that's a 60-yarder. If it's a check to a run, check to a run. That's really what we're trying to get done with Daniel with all of our quarterbacks. Now, the follow-up question. And as a follow up real quick is he making more of the right decision to where he's not thinking as much and he's just on autopilot I believe that was from Patty Trainer the answer to that question yeah that's a question more for him coach Dable responded he's the one that he's the one back there holding it You know, I think he's steadily improved since we got here. He's learning a whole new language. It's not just for Daniel. It's any young quarterback or new quarterback in a new system. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to handle. So he's making progress. But we still, we're constantly teaching and we're evolving as to what we do. Still, we're trying to figure out what we do well, what our pieces are, the routes that work, the routes that are good. There might be a certain route concept that we ran yesterday where after we tried it three or four times, I'm telling Kafka, like, let's just move on from that play. But we need to practice it to see if that's something we're good at. And I think the quarterback has to have some input on that as well. So he's making improvement on that each day. And Lance, I think that goes back to something that we have talked about on previous shows, which is, you know, this is a complicated offense and it requires a lot of communication, nonverbal often, between the quarterback and the wide receiver. To and it's important for them to get these reps in training camps when they get to these games and They're trying to make adjustments on the fly as to how to run these routes against certain coverage and how they're going to get open that these guys have to really be with it. So Daniel's not only learning a new offense, learning the new language, figuring out the system, which is thick, deep playbook. He's also trying to figure out the more nuanced stuff with his individual wide receivers so that they're on the same page so you don't have like two of those two interceptions that he had in practice the other day.
4: And a lot of the wide receivers who have spoke to the media – they've emphasized they like this offense because of the flexibility that you're allowed with respect to your routes. But to your point, hey, that's great that there's more flexibility. But even though Daniel Jones has been on the field with some of these players in previous offenses, that doesn't really hold much weight. See, normally when we talk about the quarterback-wide receiver relationship, Even if the coaching staff changes, maybe you say, hey, there's value for this group being together for two to three years. I don't know if there's a whole lot of value. And granted, a lot of these guys have been sidelined anyway over the last few seasons. So, I mean, how many times have we said Daniel hasn't had an opportunity to be on the field with all of his full personnel? But let's operate. Let's assume he was. I still don't know if that would have put this Giants grouping on offense in better shape given the fact that, as you just outlined, this is really a brand-new language, a brand-new scheme, and communication is so key before the snap, at the snap, and even after the snap. Right, and, I, I, and by
3: the way, that was a question Dable was asked, too. Like, when does that communication occur? And he said at all three of those times, before, during, and after.
4: Because there could be an adjustment that the wide receiver makes yep. based on how the defensive back is defending him or maybe the safety rolls over or whatever it may be. So, therefore, Daniel has to be able to read the wide receiver in addition to reading the defense. Now, I know when you hear that, a lot of people are saying, well, wait a minute, doesn't that cause more confusion? Well, that's more of a reason why you have to get those routes out of the way and those plays now in training camp. Better to make the mistakes now, so then you go back on the film, you learn from what you did in practice, and you don't repeat it again in the games. That's why I think what Brian Dable's main point was, based on the quotes you just read, John, and what we're talking about is – If you just come to a training camp practice, you watch it. It's very similar to a game. You see a play. You think, okay, the offensive lineman was out of place. Well, maybe the offensive lineman did the right thing and somebody else screwed up. Or maybe the quarterback, unless you know the play or you know what the coaching staff is telling the players to do on a daily basis it's hard to necessarily put blame on a specific player. That's my point.
3: Well, let me read the quote, Lance, because this is the question. Brian, a couple of your receivers have mentioned they like that you're grooming this offense to make the route their own and it's not pen to paper. Well, I'm curious. How does that happen? Because it can't be backyard football where, like, I'm going to run a slant and you think I'm running a curl and then there's a pick six. Brian Dable's answer. Yeah, no, it's it's not like that, exactly. There's, prob- there's obviously different route concepts, combinations. You know, some adjustments are standard adjustments. I'd say most teams do them. Other routes that we have, you can do a lot of different things. But that's the communication that the quarterback, the receiver, even the tight ends, even the backs with Saquon and Matt, they have to be on the same page. Like the body language for a receiver, or let's just call it a skill player, is really critical for a quarterback. You know, you're back there. And again, sometimes it's just a timing route when you're taking five steps, no hitch, and letting it rip. Some other times, there's some wiggle room. The skill player really has a responsibility to see it like the quarterback. So the quarterback's vision is like this. Sometimes the skill's vision is like this. So that's a work in progress with the guys that we have, making sure they're doing things the way the quarterback sees it and the quarterback sees it. That's why the communication in the meeting room is so important. You know, there's a lot of communication. I encourage that. Those are the ones throwing it and catching it, but it's not like he's supposed to run it in cut and the guy just runs a flat. We don't do that. Follow-up question. So it's post-huddle, pre-snap, like when the guys are actually in their space and then Dable kind of jumped in. It's pre- and post-snap. Yep. you got to get a look at what the defense is doing. Some defenses disguise a lot. Some others don't. Is it man? Is it zone? There's a lot of things. That's why I keep saying we place a premium on intelligent players, and you got to be smart as a receiver in our offense. And, Lance, and for those that have listened to this show for a long time, I'll just say this. I have a feeling we're going to be doing instant replays to conversations that we had on Big Blue Kickoff Live back in 2014 and 2013 when – you know, it was the whole deal where Eli with his receivers and they weren't necessarily on the same page on one's going out, one's going in. They're not reading things the same way. Oh, Gilbard's offense is too complicated. This isn't going to work. We're at some point going to have those conversations this year. There are positives and minuses to everything you do and how you run your offense. So that's what we're going to be looking at. But, and I've always said this about Gilbard system too, Lance, when you had the guys in place and it clicked, and it was right, it was damn near impossible to stop. Because it was always an option for the wide receiver to get open. And we saw it with Victor Cruz in the slot, right? He had a two-way go. If the cornerback played him outside, he'd cut in. If the cornerback played him inside, he'd cut out. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if these guys are healthy and they're on the same page with Daniel, this thing's going to be really difficult to stop. But you might have some bumps along the way where – You're like, where the hell was Daniel throwing that ball? The receiver, you know, wasn't there, or the timing was off, and that's the type of stuff we're talking
4: about. Well, and here's the other thing, based on what you just said. Eli, polished veteran, we're talking about running that offense, and even with him being a polished vet, there were still things that weren't necessarily running as smoothly as he would have I mean, hell,
3: Lance, you could go back to when he was a rookie, you know, 2006, 2005, 2007, when it was Gilbride's offense. So, yeah, 100%. It's tough
4: and Daniel, who doesn't have nearly as much experience as Eli Manning and also has missed valuable time due to injury and now is learning another new offense, getting used to new personnel, the bottom line is there's a lot of factors here. So there could very well be some growing pains early on, and maybe it's one of those things that things get better progressively as the season moves along, and maybe even next season, depending on who's here, you see even better progress. Because if you're asking a lot of adjustments on the fly I can't emphasize it enough. Communication is so key. That's why we were talking last week about what stood out with respect to training camp practices and the buzzes, the pre-snap motion, the at-the-snap motion. And once again... That's fantastic. A lot of window dressing. It's exciting to see. If Guys are not on the same page, John. You can throw all that great stuff out the window. It doesn't matter at the end right. of the day. You're fooling yourselves, essentially. You're not fooling anybody on the opposite side of the field. So that's why these preseason games, these practices, if you're going to have a convoluted scheme – Where there's a lot of movement, a lot of adjustments, you have to use this time right now. And here's another thing on a related note. If you remember, John, when Kenny Galladay spoke to the media, he was asked a question about even if you're not the one with pre-snap movement, Uh you still need to know what the other receivers and tight ends or running backs are doing because that could very well adjust what you then have to do on your own route.
3: Yeah, look, there's there's a lot to it. Everyone has said the system's complicated, and they're going to have to figure it out. And it might take some time, and they're probably not going to be you know all the way there by the time preseason ends. There's going to be some bumps along the way. Um, but you're right, they're going to have to take advantage of these snaps. The good news, Wink does show them a lot of different looks on defense and practice. Oh, yeah. So hopefully that'll give them some you know really good opportunities to make those types of adjustments, and they'll kind of go from there giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season in addition to ticket savings membership benefits include access to exclusive events experiences pre-sales and more you can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks call 888 nyg 1925 or visit giants.com slash tickets for more information your
0: credit card should match your lifestyle at kemba financial credit union choose a card with benefits that work for you for a limited time all cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year apply at kemba.org restrictions apply offer ends June 30th 2024
3: all right, everybody. Let's get on the line. Let's give us a call. We'll take some calls with you, and we'll discuss some more giant stuff. We'll go around the league a little bit, but let's rock and roll and get on those phones. Joe in Pennsylvania will lead us off. Hey, Joe.
2: Hey, guys. I'm ready for another season coming fast? There. Uh, I, I was looking at the offense and the defense, and it, then both of them. It looks like they're both going to be a little more daring. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. With the with the blitz and then on offense throwing the ball down the field more, and I even heard uh, Tony might be doing some wildcat, and is that true?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, that was something Kadarius Tony had experience with coming in. I think you're going to see both him and Wondell Robinson get the ball out of the backfield in some way, shape, or form.
4: Yeah, remember, Wondell Robinson was a running back in Nebraska, Tony previously a quarterback, and Tony was used as a wildcat last season, even with the old regime
2: yeah it's it seems like they're they're going to mix it mix it up a lot and like if you're playing the giants i'm saying if you're 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 going to go man to man i don't know who would they consider the giants number 1 receiver there even or would they match up with size and speed more or less would you think
4: i think it depends on the opponent joe to go back to your question i think if you have a corner That has some length and you're worried about Kenny Galladay and then perhaps targeting him down the field. Maybe you put more attention on that. If you're worried about the Giants getting out in open space because of what Tony and Wandell Robinson do, maybe you're not going to overwhelm one guy in particular and you're going to focus more on a zone-based type of defense so that guys are in position in case one guy in particular can't slow them down. I think it's going to vary. Because that's what we've been talking about all offseason. If Daniel Jones and his offense spread the wealth, the Giants may not indicate to other teams that they have a number one guy, meaning one person in particular that is going to be targeted X amount of times consistently. It could be one game. It could be the Tony show. Another game, it could be the Robinson. i could be Saquon.
3: If you told me anyone of Gallaudet, Barkley, Robinson, Tony led this team in receptions, None of the four would surprise me. Yeah, I'm sure. with you.
2: Then, then uh, I, I'm thinking too that that, especially at the beginning of the season, that that a lot of them, if they're not playing zone they'd be get they wouldn't be getting double team many of them I wouldn't think. Uh, sure. Well,
4: that's why I said it depends on the philosophy of the defensive coordinator going up against the team and what they're more concerned about. I would think they're going to get a better idea of the Giants once we have a few games under our belt, but I think right now given the explosiveness of some of the playmakers and what they could do out in open space, my personal opinion if I'm playing the Giants, I'm more concerned about a variety of guys. I'm not getting overwhelmed by one player that I'm putting on an island and saying we have to shut him down. Right. I'm looking at more of the unit overall.
3: Now, that guy might develop at some point, right? You get through yeah. four or five games, and like, all right, well, this is the guy we have to slow down, but to start the year, uh, Lance, I'm with you. I just don't think you know who that guy's going to be. Yeah, uh,
2: and one, one other thing there, it just seemed like uh, when they first started their practices, the tight end was getting a lot of... Uh, Out in the patterns, and now it just seems lately with the pads on that they're he's blocking more the their fourth round pick. Am am I uh, correct there? Well, well, Joe,
3: that's because in the unpadded practices they pass like eighty percent of the time, like literally, like probably four out of every five plays was a pass play. Maybe even a seven out of every eight. Like they, it was because you know if you don't have pads on, the run blocking doesn't do a ton for you. So it was primarily a passing, you know. Uh, oriented practice when you weren't in pads, and when you went to the pads, they ran the ball 75% of the time. So I think that's just a product of what the practices look like in terms of how they use the tight ends. To be honest with you,
2: and uh, that guy from Maine there, uh, I don't know if that's Charlie's friend or though, no, but it seems like. He may get and be getting a shot to make this team the way it's starting to look. They're lining them up more in the backfield and everything the
4: way um.
3: Well, look, he's uh, he's getting an opportunity with Ricky Seals Jones missing practice in the last week. Yeah, so as long so. as he's out, somebody will have a chance to step up.
4: And he's also converting to a new position from wide receiver to tight end. So it's another example of perhaps they see some versatility in him. But, yeah, I think the main thing to read into it is what John said. Ricky Seals-Jones is sidelined, so, of course, somebody else is going to get more opportunity on the field given the fact that they don't have their complete depth chart out there.
2: Okay, thank you very much for taking my call, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk more as the season goes on. Bye-bye. Awesome.
3: Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Lenny Columbia Maryland's up next. Hi Len. Hey, how you doing, guys? What's going on? Yeah. Hey, man. Um,
5: Well, nice visit to training camp the other day, and it's it's just—it's always a fun experience. Uh, I wish I lived closer; I'd go more often. (laughs) But it really is—it really is a pretty good show. Um, Dexter Lawrence. um, It looked like, and of course, you know, we're dealing with just with the one practice and what I read. And what I can catch on on film a little bit, um, he he looks like he's entrenched at nose tackle. Yeah. Is is that a what, what do you think with that? Um, what do you think about that statement?
3: I think he will be the defensive lineman that's lined up closest to the center at the start of the year. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Well, you think that'll
5: be that'll be Dexter?
3: Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, I don't think it's going to be Leonard. So I think it's going to be Dexter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, well, over the years, uh, you know, a lot of
5: people have said that that was probably going to be Dexter's best, best, sh- you know, best, best t- uh, place to be on the line. Uh, and, well, the, and line, the like- bottom
3: line is when you weigh three forty, that's usually where you wind up. <laughs> yeah, there you, <laughs> you can go. Take up some space. Yeah, there you okay. go.
5: And uh, you know, likely, likely not a tuned, de- not a two down nose tackle either. Uh, no, three downs. On-
3: three downs for sure. I'm with you.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, when Wink was down here with the Ravens, he he did count on the nose tackle an awful lot. I know a lot of people talked about how great the linebackers were, and they were making a lot of tackles. But, you know, their run defense uh, was always top five, you know, except for the last year when they got devastated with injuries. But they were always a top five defense. And and I think the key to it, of course, he he had a great nose tackle in Brandon Williams. Yeah. Um, who I think is still on sign, by the way, which is which is kind of interesting. But uh, he is a ten-year vet, so I I don't know how much he's got left. And I'm not suggesting the Giants should look at him either. But um, he always had that key. He always had that nose tackle, and it, it just seemed to me that that Wink is going to find somebody who can play nose tackle because he he just counts on. Uh, You know, and that guy being able to tie up blockers, and here come the linebackers.
3: Yeah, and I I think the other thing, too, Len, was the numbers game. Wink has – I would have to look at the numbers in the last couple years. I could look it up up after I make my point. I mean, my bet would be the Ravens probably had a top five, eight men in the box percentage of any other team in the league because they blitz and they bring that second safety up. They play a lot of single high. So they, they, they try to stop the run with that numbers game, too, generally speaking.
4: And they also had a guy named Calais Campbell, too, who has some versatility. Yeah, he's not he bad. Play, yeah, inside-outside. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that true, helped as well. True. Yeah. true. Oh,
5: yeah. They, they had some players on defense. I, I, I just, you know, my observation of the Ravens, and that it's going to carry over to the Giants, was, was that Wink always. It, it, it just seemed to me it started with that nose tackle when the ball was snapped, uh, that he's tying up blockers, and then everything else flows from there. And that's why Williams was in the Pro Bowl five times. I mean, it was, you know, really, really, really carrying out his responsibilities.
4: I mean, um, the other thing to keep in mind, Len, is they're in a division where there's a big emphasis on running the football. The Pittsburgh Steelers, true. the true. Cleveland Browns, I mean, the Bengals a little bit with Joe Mixon towards the end. So I think, you know, that also probably dictated a lot in terms of what Wink did. Now, that doesn't mean that no team's going to run the football in this division. Clearly, right, the right. Giants struggled in that department last right. season. They better yeah. clean it up yeah. or obviously they're going to yeah. be in a lot of trouble.
5: Yeah, that's that's actually a good thought, Lance, that, and um, I, that had, really hadn't come across my mind. That, I, that that probably had a lot to do with it, the way he ran his defense in, down here in Baltimore. Uh, and by the way, um, I just
3: looked it up. He was just uh, under league average in terms of percentage of plays with eight men plus in the box, so I was actually wrong about that. He didn't have eight men in there as much as I thought he did.
5: Okay, okay. Um, you, you know, Daniel did have a good day the day I was there, and and everybody seemed to be writing about that and, you know, giving you completions and so forth. I, I'm I'm not sure how they count those. I mean, I'm not downgrading what Daniel did that day. I thought he looked pretty good.
3: Len, uh, compiling stats and completion percentage for practices is the biggest frickin' waste of time that anyone <laughs> can can can, yeah. can use. It's just stupid. It's, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. useless. You know, well, the guy that has
4: the all time completion percentage in training camp goes to Canton, Ohio, and They actually they changed the rules for that. So <laughs> that's more of a reason why you should keep close tabs on that. Yeah.
5: You know, my, my point, and again, I, I hate to sound like I'm downgrading what Daniel did the other day because I, actually I thought he looked pretty good. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of passes that he threw, and the same with Tyrod Taylor. It um, would have been sacks.
6: Oh, I mean, sure. he would have
5: gotten sacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, so I don't, you know, I don't know how you read. You know how they gather facts on completed passes and so forth, but sure. Again, you know the thing that uh, one one thing about seeing them live and even being a little closer than I am with my seats at the stadium, um, you you really begin to realize how fast these guys are and how athletic these guys are, dude. I especially mean, the big
3: the, guys, Len. These guys are like three hundred pounds, and they, yeah. the way they move, it's it's frightening.
5: Yeah one uh one other point, uh, as you know, after the draft um uh, i I was um not terribly excited about the fact that we had drafted Robinson as high as we had drafted him, and I was not terribly excited about the flot pick either um being being that they seem to be smaller guys that is weight wise but wow Robinson, you know i'm gonna I'm gonna keep an open mind for the rest of the training camp and into the beginning of the season anyway. You know, Robinson's got some moves, and he he can move on the fly. And I thought Flot that day really made a couple of plays with, you know, pretty good closing speed on the receiver. So um, I'm going to pay attention to those two guys, and um, maybe I'll prove myself wrong with my second evaluation of those two fellas. You know, uh, Colin Johnson, uh, Sills, uh, Bachman. Um, Colin
3: Johnson's actually had a pretty good camp so far. He's he, made some pretty you good know, catches.
5: Uh, you, you know, he, he has, and he actually looked faster the other day than I thought he was, John. Um, or that I thought he is, I should say. Um, but, you know, the reality of the situation, the guys I just mentioned, and you can throw James in there, too, they're, they're really Battling, I mean, that's a back of the roster. Well, that's the battles. thing.
3: Yeah, there are. N- there's not a lot of room on that wide receiver depth chart. Like, there's not a bunch of spots, so it's going to be heavy competition for those fifth and sixth wide receiver spots. Especially, yeah. especially if Shepard's back. If Shepard's yes. back by week one, then you're down yes. to like maybe one other guy. Yes.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Su- I'm not sure coming back from an Achilles that. He's really uh, not going to be on the pup list going into the regular season. He looks
3: good, man. I'm telling you, he's moving around pretty well.
5: Well, good. Well, I hope that. Well, that, back to the, my original point, that does make it a little tougher for those back end guys to make the make the roster. I think Board has the roster made. I, I just think he does too many things. No, I agree with you. Um, that I think he's the fifth guy.
3: And by the way, and, he has been stepping in with like with like the the practice that Tony didn't do a lot. Or and there was a little price where Galloway didn't do a ton. Yeah. It was Board that was stepping in with the first team. Yeah. Well, Board's now, a
4: polished vet, plus he has special teams experience. So yes, but you know, yes, definitely well and he,
3: he
5: Yeah. And on uh, and on the special teams Lance he can return kicks.
4: Yeah. Which absolutely.
5: is an important is an important thing. And a gun response.
4: Which yeah, may it, be even more critical.
5: You're right, right. And he'll run down under the he'll run down under the kick and make a tackle too. So I think he's pretty much gonna have a spot locked up. Um I hope they give Slayton um, – you know, I hope they give Slayton a chance. I, I just – I see the speed there, um, and I, I, I just think this this guy – let's give him the last year of the contract, and, you know, let's see if he can turn this into something good. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to see him on the roster. And, um, All right. So, okay, hey, uh, we're a week away. Got a game next Thursday night. Yep. Um, that's good, and then then what do we got? About 20, you know, not counting the bye week, we got 21 weeks in a
3: row. That'll be fun. Thank you, Len. <laughs> <Yep>. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. Yep. Um, look, and I think Len brings up an interesting thing with the wide receivers, and I didn't even mention Slayton. You know, he had some dropsy issues early in camp, where he wasn't coming down with balls he usually could, but he his last two practices, especially the one, I believe it was Tuesday this week, uh, he made a couple of spectacular catches, so he's come on after having some drop issues early in camp. So, you know, if Shepard comes back, and I don't know what his timetable is, but I, I mean, if he I, if he's not back in the first half of the year, I'd be blown away in shock based on how he's looked. Um, you know, you got Shepard, Slayton, Tony Robinson, Galladay. I mean, some teams only carry five receivers, so if boards you're six, because he's such a good special teamer, like that's it. Like no one else is making the team.
4: Well, you'd have to put them on the practice squad and just hope that they pass through waivers. And I think that would be a risky proposition with a guy like Darius Slayden. I can't oh, easily yeah. see a team claiming him. Some of the other guys I wouldn't be overly worried about, but Slayden, absolutely. As far as Sterling Shepard on Pup, remember, the rules changed. It's now four weeks instead of six. So it's possible if they feel, okay, Shep needs a little bit more time, you could get him quicker back as opposed to the old rules maybe that's part of their thinking but I think we got a little ways to go before we get down to that point And here's the other thing about the reading into the quarterback reading into the wide receivers I use Corey Coleman as the best example a few years ago Corey Coleman was lighting it up in practice every single day in training camp and the team scrimmages and he ultimately, he made the 53 if you remember John, but then he was shortly cut after that and he wasn't with the team in week one. So sometimes he ever signed anywhere else. Did he? I don't believe he did. He may have hung around with maybe a team for a week or two. And then that was it, but not long term. My point is sometimes production in camp out on the practice field could be a little misleading, especially when you're not seeing what's going on in the film room. And also the, contractual status of a player, whether or not they just feel what they've done in the regular season prior carries a little bit more weight. There's a lot of logic is my point that goes behind that thinking than just whether or not they're putting on a highlight reel every single practice.
3: Uh, Yeah, so Coleman's last year with the Giants was 2020. And actually, the Chiefs signed. Is he on the Chiefs now? Yeah, I
4: remember him being with a team briefly. Was he with them? Yeah,
3: but not until 2022. Like, I'm looking at his transaction list Lance, and uh, the Giants removed Corey Coleman from the practice squad on November 24th, 2020. And there is not another item on his transaction report until you get to March 22nd, 2022, that
4: he signed with the Chiefs. And he was working his way back from knee injuries and a variety of injuries that he suffered with Cleveland, too, remember, when he briefly joined the Giants.
3: Yeah, he had a bunch of hand injuries. Two broken he had hands a hand injury, like too. That. Correct. Yep. Let me see. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs roster. Let's see. Do they have? Corey He may Coleman be on, on the, the active roster, roster right now. He might 90. be. I mean, I mean, yeah. but, uh, if, if Pro Football References um, uh, transaction report is accurate, then I think he is. But let me uh, let me look. I mean, he's got, got a lot receiver. of competition
4: on that roster. So let's see. Do I see? Well, Corey Coleman? our there? lads has him listed on their depth chart, and okay. they're usually yeah. pretty up to date. They are, and he he, so, is, he
3: is on the official site on their yeah. roster page. So Corey Coleman with the Chiefs. There you go.
4: He's got about an army of guys in front I of him. I forgot but... Josh Gordon was there too. Yep. Jeez, I forgot he was on that roster. That's another guy in the Corey Coleman Yes, very much area. so. Yeah. Showed some flashes, suspensions. Yeah, mine is, Not necessarily fully healthy. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, the that, that Chiefs interesting. that Valdez, Scantling, Schuster, Miko Hardman. I, you know me, I love Sky more. I'm like the, the, the New York chapter captain <laughs> of the fan club. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting. 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giant Games and World Class Concerts in 2022 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888 nyg 1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for more information
0: your credit card should match your lifestyle at Kemba financial credit union choose a card with benefits that work for you for a limited time all cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year apply at Kemba.org restrictions apply offer ends June 30th 2024
3: all right let's go to uh Donnie in Queens he's up next Donnie what's up hi
1: guys good afternoon how are you I'm good, uh, but Len just Len just put a pit in my stomach when he said we got 21 weeks of football coming up, and that should be fun. He may have missed the last uh, four or five years because those 21 weeks of football haven't been so. And fun.
3: by the way, Donnie, uh, just for the record, by the way, and it's funny. I actually just had this conversation yesterday with uh, Dan Salomon who uh, writes to the website, and he goes, he actually said to me, he "Goes, John, don't you realize when people, you know, you tell me you work for the team, like, well, uh, boy." Uh, that's been a rough four or five years, huh? And and we're like, no, you're shortchanging us. Like it's been since 2013. Like it's been more <laughs> than four or five years. Like it's been right. a while.
1: <laughs> we had the we had the pit stop in 2016. Yeah, that's it. Um, now I want to give you guys my bold prediction, uh, but I'm going to just make a, a, a comment first. Sure. And if there's one thing I'm disappointed in in the organization in this this off season is. Because I don't want to pin it on the coach, the GM. I think it's a collective thing.
3: Paul DeTino's really, continued employment, no?
1: Yeah. Well, that's – I mean, I've, 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 I've
3: written a lot of letters about that. And,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm something you know, uh, we love Paul. Of course. Paul's uh, the best. Should have been an open competition, in my opinion, at the quarterback position. And I, and I say that because new regime coming in, this is now the third coach Daniels had – probably the fourth offensive coordinator, second GM. What better way to set the tone for a new regime than making the most important position on the team have to be earned? And I think early in this season, if Daniel comes out struggling, the fans are going to grow because now there's a legitimate guy behind him. And I think he could they could have galvanized the locker room around him if he actually had to go out and earn the job as opposed to having it handed
3: to him.
4: Donnie, well, I—Donny, I, I, I I go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, on. Donnie, I think there's a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, even with it not being an open competition. I mean, the guy's in the final year of his contract. The team did not pick up his option. They have not shown any sign of long-term commitment. To your point, he now has an established veteran behind him, which is unlike, I think, any other guy that's been behind him since he joined the franchise. And Tyrod
3: has looked good in the summer, too.
4: Correct. So, I mean, all of those factors to me, unless Daniel Jones is just living under a rock and is unaware of his environment, I think he's feeling the fact that he knows he has to deliver and not just necessarily having the luxury of 17 games this year, that if perhaps things don't go according to plan, that they have a viable option that they could very well turn to and also has some history with Joe Shane going back to Buffalo yeah, briefly.
3: And, and, I'll, and I'll add to that just very briefly. I don't know what you're getting out of it big picture-wise as a franchise, to have Tyrod as your starting quarterback. Now your argument's gonna be, well, if Daniel Jones can't beat him out, then you already have your answer. I, I, I get that point exactly. of view. And and, and, and Donnie, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's fair. But, I mean, seventeen games of, you know, and I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a quality NFL quarterback. But like, how is that setting yourself up for the future? Like at all? You would almost, you would almost rather just crash and burn. And, you know, be a little bit worse, get a better draft pick so you can try to find that long-term answer or quarterback Then have, like, Tyrod carry you to, you know, eight wins, then you're
4: picking 12th. You know what I mean? Sure, well, plus, sure. you, totally you need—I mean, you could also argue you want to see another season out of Daniel Jones, Dottie. I mean, you just mentioned yeah, they've had a lot of offenses, a lot of personnel. You gain more by evaluating Daniel Jones, more so than you evaluate Tyrod Taylor. Most people, you know what Tyrod Taylor's about. Solid quarterback's going to make good decisions. He's going to keep you competitive. Good athlete. Yeah, I don't think Brian Dable and the staff is saying, boy, we need to see four or five preseason games and then some out of Tyrod Taylor. They know what they have. And if they want to make a change, I think they'd feel comfortable. We know we don't have to explore that. You have to explore Daniel Jones. It's more of a reason why you want to keep him on the field under most circumstances. Yeah,
3: and and by the way, I only explored the negative part of that. The other part of it is that if if, if you swim, you know, in the sink or swim scenario, then maybe you know you can franchise him for a year or, or do whatever you want to do, and you keep him around and, and and you continue to explore. But you don't get that if Daniel's not your starter for a long stretch of the year.
1: Sure, but so I, kind of back to your point, which you almost made for me, John, was if going through a, a training camp in preseason that it's evident that the team is better with Tyrod. I feel like then you're we don't know that now, right? So we may waste five or six games with Daniel where maybe it's harder to evaluate the rest of the roster because because of his play. But you guys made a lot of valid points. I'm going to give you my bold prediction, okay? Sure. What do you got? Daniel is benched by the Green Bay game. They will win four of the next six games with Tyrod, and then Tyrod gets hurt. Daniel has to finish out the season as the starter in true giant fashion, and they only win one more game. That. So, Dan- okay,
3: hold on. I, I think I, I got to write fast here. Daniel, okay, so yeah, no, Daniel, that's okay. So Daniel check. benched before the Green Bay game. Then Tyrod, he's benched at the Green Bay game. Like that'll be the first game he's benched. So that's week five. Correct. Okay, yeah. so benched at the Green Bay game. So you think they're gonna be what one and three heading into week five? Then
1: one and three or zero oh and four. I'll say one and three. I will say they beat the Bears. But they win, like, 13-6.
3: Okay. And then you said Tyrod's going to start how many games and then and go 4-1? He's going to win four of the next six games as the starter. Okay. wins four of six. Okay. And then he gets hurt.
1: He gets hurt. And then And then Jones finishes out the season with one win. Only and I, he may get hurt in that span, but he only gets one win the
3: rest of the season. Okay, well I give you credit. That is a very specific bold prediction, Donnie. Well done on that. <laughs> yeah. That is very specific. Thank I, you, man. I, I,
1: I just you know my biggest thing with Daniel is I don't think he has the head for the game. I think he's a smart kid, but like in the way a doctors smart, that doesn't mean they know how to like quickly go from read to read. And I I never like looked at. I used to follow the training camp stuff more when I was younger, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's having a great camp. Well, with the advent of Twitter, every single player in the National Football League is having a great training camp. Oh, my course. God, I know. Oh, with I know without I a doubt. That's why fighters. I said you can only read into it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, so I, very well I said. I've kind of yeah. up on it. I try to watch the few snippets we get, which I admit aren't even fair. But, like, I still feel like most of the time he's completing a pass is just because, like, he locks on the the first guy who eventually springs open. If that changes this year, I think he has the rest of the skill set. I just think that the head part of the game is too much for Daniel. So we'll see. I'm not going to root against him. I'm I'm hoping he proves me wrong, but that's where I'm at. And I guess I'll talk to you guys eventually before the season starts.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Donnie. Good call. And I think that's kind of a good long-term thing. But, you know, I'll say this, too. I think, you know, a veteran like Tyrod, with both guys coming in here and and trying to learn this system at the same time, right, I think – Early on in the process, that's probably an
4: advantage
3: to, to Tyrod Taylor. You know what I mean?
4: Well, he's also been exposed to a lot more offenses. Offenses, over the yeah, of his Not not
3: yeah. not specifically this offense, but no, he was sure. not with this. He was traded away from the Bills March fifteenth of the year that Dable got hired. So he really wasn't in that offense a ton in Buffalo. But yes, and and and, and you made the point I was trying to make, Lance, that the fact that he's seen. So many different offenses, and I imagine he's probably been in an offense that has had similar language to this um, in one of his one, two, three, four, five different NFL stops before this one. So it's probably he's probably going to be able to adjust to what they're trying to do a little bit quicker than Daniel, who is doing a lot of the stuff for the first time and is only entering his fourth season.
4: Just for clarification, Dable didn't arrive in Buffalo until a little bit later. I think you meant Joe Shane, right? Was that who you were referencing? What, was, his, D- what was Dable's was Dable year in Buffalo? Dable came to Buffalo in 2018. Oh, he was Tyrod, 2018. Okay. Yeah, yeah Tyrod so. was gone in 2017. Right. He Tyrod, was in Buffalo from 15 to 17, so yes, he was there correct. with Shane briefly, but he was not there with Dable. I think that was perhaps Well, no, no you said Dable you arrived to- in
3: 18, right? Correct, but Tyrod wasn't there in 18. No, Tyrod got traded on March 15, 2018. So he was literally there for like two months when Dable was in the building. That's it. But I mean,
4: they're not doing any football on the field at that point. I guess that was my point. Yes, 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 100%. Shane, though, was there when he was actually on the team, though. Yeah, Shane signed him, and I believe Shane
3: re-signed him, and then he traded him a year later, right? Because he was re-signed on March 8, 2017, I think think Shane or Nah, Shane might have been hired in May of that year in 2017, right? Brandon Bean
4: came in. Yeah, they had the draft first, if you remember. Yes, they did. And Shane then Sean McDermott brought in his management. So it was much later in the year compared to earlier in the year, which is, you know, normally we see executives get hired in January. March 4th, right
3: 2017, is when Shane was hired. And Tyrod Taylor was literally traded. Uh, I just lost the page.
4: it? March 9th, he was traded. Yes. So, um, to the Browns.
3: Well, he was, re- was re-signed to a restructured contract in March of 2017. So that was a couple months before Shane got there. But Shane was there when they traded him the following March yeah. in 2018.
4: Correct. That was when he was shipped to Cleveland. As,
3: as we go yep. round and round and round. But I think we finally
4: got that straight. Uh, yes. Well, there's a lot of tie-ins. Yes. And- NFL circles. Yes, but
3: I I think we both agree, though, that because of experience, Tyron might figure things out in this offense a little bit quicker than Daniel does. So you need to give him time and then figure out exactly what you have because you have to give him the time to actually get where he needs to be in terms of understanding.
4: Well, and the other thing is, too, which I don't think we brought up is, remember, they gave Tyron a two-year deal. I'm not saying that that means he's absolutely going to be here, but he's got more security than Daniel Jones right now on that contract. Longer
3: contract, yeah. Right? I
4: mean, Mm -hmm. so the Bills, not the Bills, the Giants... They basically said, hey, not only do we want him this year, we want him maybe to be our bridge guy if we decide to make a transition. It's more and more what I'm saying is you know what you have in Tyrod Taylor. You don't know necessarily what you have in Daniel Jones. Therefore, you need to use this time to truly evaluate the guy you have more questions about compared to the guy that you at least feel you have a good grasp
3: of. 100% we're on absolutely the same page. We both agree. Let's go to Matthew in New Jersey. He's up next. Hey, Matthew. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up? You're all
7: right. right. Uh, I
3: have a response to the last uh, call. Respond oh, away. We'll you
7: got it. It's going to be hard for Jones to really get in the offense early on, and the New York media is going to hound on him to get Tyler in there, to get Taylor in there. So it's going to be really hard for him to keep playing with all that pressure in there, and if he struggles with this complex offense early on. So I don't know if the offense is going to make more simple plays for him or keep going with their plan and see Jones struggle early on with this complex offense.
3: I would say, Matthew, unless you're looking at 0-4 through four games and they just lost at home to the Bears and they, like, scored no points, okay. I would find it really hard to believe that they're going to move on from Daniel before the bye week. And, I, and frankly, I would be hard. I, frankly, if he's healthy, I'd be surprised if they moved on from him at all over the course of the season. Now, if he gets hurt – and different. if it wasn't playing gate, Tyra comes in and he, he goes nuts and he's on fire and he's on darts, then, you know, that's a different conversation. We have to see where we're at. But I, I just, I don't think, uh, unless things go terribly, terribly wrong, that that's a decision that's going to be made quickly.
4: Yeah, I think he has a long leash, for yeah. the lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase, John. I would agree with you because, once again, I, I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable, in order to determine what they want to do long term, I think they really want to walk away by the end of this season saying, hey, We like what we have in Daniel. We could build upon it. We're not necessarily confident we're going to move on. I think in order to get to that point, John, I think you need to give him as many games as humanly possible. And that's why he gets hurt, all bets are off. Of course, he's hurt. You can't evaluate him. He's healthy. Despite the ups and downs, I think they're going to give him every shot to continue to work his way through it.
7: Yeah, I, I think they should play Jones as long as they can. It's just the New York media, you know how they are. Well, but, but Matthew,
4: let me, let me just jump in. I don't mean to cut you off. If you're a head coach in this league and if you've talked to enough coaches, if you're making decisions based on what the media is telling you, 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 do, n- you do not. You lost not only that, but you don't belong in that position. Correct. Yep. You have to be strong yeah. enough and have enough conviction to say, this is what I believe. I believe in Daniel Jones. I believe the right thing is to evaluate him this year. And if they want to call for Tyrod, let them call for Tyrod. It doesn't mean that I have to make that decision.
7: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I hope they stick to that because you know how it is in New York—the fans can complain about it in the media,
4: but I think. Well, but the fans don't coach the team at the end of the day.
7: <laughs> I mean, that's my point. I know, I know, but uh, never mind. No, I believe in you guys. Hope Jones keeps playing, but we'll see what happens. Um, my question is: I don't know if you talked about it, but MacDonald has been in the exempt left squad. I don't know if the Giants have announced that, but the media has announced that.
3: Uh, yeah, that yeah, the, the, that has not been officially announced by the Giants Lions as far as I've been able to tell, but we have seen that out there. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess that means that Joe Judge just didn't randomly drive people to retirement. And this happens no matter who the coach is sometimes, <laughs> then, huh? It's funny <laughs> how that goes. Say, Damaging plot to, to the narrative. Yes.
7: <laughs> so the tens of guys are retired in the training camp. We're actually going
4: to have Joe Um, Looney on right at the end of the program to consult (laughs) to see what his thoughts are about Matt Gono perhaps going on that list. No, no,
7: no. It's not that. It's not that. Uh, My question, because Pert is still on the pup list, right? And I believe uh, McKeith in the sixth round, the the guy we drafted is one of the tackles. And I've seen that uh, Josh Zutu has gotten repped as a tackle.
4: Yep. Well, remember, he played, Matthew, he played every position but center in college. So he has experience in that department.
3: Yeah, I would say yeah, right now, Izudu is the next guy up at tackle. To be honest with you, that would be my yeah. guess.
7: Yep. Yeah, my question is: Is it you know, is it all right to do that to him when he you want him to be as a guard, or is just his versatility is good enough to play to give him reps as a tackle, or do you want him to be more secure as a guard?
3: It's a good question. Um, it's a good question. I think you want to get him ready as a guard. But if he's your best option to tackle, it's a more important position. I don't think it's ideal to move a rookie around like that. But, look, you kind of have to do what you have to do with what's best for the team. And you hope you can get paired back sooner rather than later. I think that's kind of how you're looking at it.
4: He, I think, is the Uh, exception mainly because, once again, if North Carolina thought highly of him to move him around – And that clearly was appealing to the Giants. I think one of the reasons why the Giants drafted him where they did is they wanted somebody that could come in immediately and be able to play multiple positions. Because, A, you can't carry all the offensive linemen on game day. And, B, the guys you do carry that don't start, they have to be able to play guard-slash-center, guard-slash-tackle. So, I don't think it's overwhelming to throw that on somebody's plate when they've already been exposed to that in college. If he was a one-position player in college, I'd be a little bit more leery. I'm not as leery when North Carolina and Mac Brown's staff already nope. threw him into the fire. It's
3: a good point, and I and I and I think that does that does limit the, the negative impact. But I do think, you know, just getting ready in a new system and everything, you would want to see him focus on one position a sure. little bit more.
4: I just don't know if you have that luxury, John. Yeah, now he only That's played, the problem.
3: and now he only played one game at right guard. Um, in college, he played 170 one snap rather. He played 175 snaps at right tackle, 519 snaps at left tackle, and 1,200 snaps at left guard. So, those were his snap numbers in college.
7: Yeah, I hope that he, I hope they get um, an older veteran tack, uh, an older veteran tackle for a minimum deal. That I'm not sure that'll happen, but hopefully, Kirk gets back and Azuda can focus on being a guard. Um, yeah, because I think he's promising as a guard and. We'll see what happens. But thanks, guys, for taking my call. No,
3: thank you, Matt. Good you stuff. It? You know who really likes veteran offensive linemen that are on the street?
4: I can't believe you're making this decision, bud.
3: Charlie in Portland, Maine is up next on Big Blue Kickoff. Going against Fire. all your rules yes, and Yes, I am. Well, he was Every already on the line. He Biggest was already, hypocrite. Tonight. He was already hey, on call? the line. It's, it's, I, I, I didn't <laughs> tell him to <the> call. <laughs>
6: Colin Will Beatty, Colin Will Beatty. <laughs> Hysterical.
3: Hey, <look. laughs>
6: Lance, just hang on to your hat, Lance. You probably want to be quiet for the next five minutes or two well, minutes. Well, that's not going to happen.
3: On, I so, Charlie, Charlie, <laughs> some tells you this call is not going to last that long with this
4: attitude. Yes, you? exactly. You, you, you <laughs> I, dug yourself in the <laughs> hole immediately yes, by saying that.
6: Correct. All right, all right. Look, <clears throat> I have real suspicions of this offensive line. I don't think we fixed it When do it you yet? not? Well, look, I mean – Mr. Neal, which I call Mr. Mr. Balance now, he can't even stay on his feet. A seventh pick in the draft. I know it's going to say it's early. It's only three practices, but have it's you four, seen like a first It's round?
3: four snaps of one on ones, Charlie. It's four reps. Literally, it is. Have, four reps of one on one that yeah, people go you know, off of.
6: Is it? Isn't one on one offensive line play? Stay on your feet, not on the ground.
3: No, isn't no, he, that? Yes, yes, yes. No one's okay. I, I'm not here arguing. He's looked great, Charlie. But it's four yeah, okay. snaps in the saying. guy's first week of NFL training camp practices. It took it took Andrew well, Thomas six games to be like playable in his rookie year and no, not be terrible. I, so let's let, yeah, let's and, not freak out on August fourth, okay. okay? Well, well. Put it this way: when I saw
6: Andrew Thomas in his rookie year. Even in the practices, even in games, he wasn't on the ground. He wasn't. He was fighting. He might, you know, a guy might get by him, but he wasn't on the ground. Now, you can say what you want. To me, it's just like I wish Jeff was there. because so I would say to Jeff, if you got a punter and you just drafted one, or you got one high, he's a high, you know, high skilled guy, and he comes in and he can't even catch the snap, you got a problem there, okay? And I look at Neil, and I go, "Look." And the other thing is, we could have had Charles Cross, who is just like they're glowing about this guy in Seattle camp. They're glowing about him. That's the guy I want because wanted. he stays and on I his I feet. St-
4: That's why they're glowing about him.
6: No, they're going about him because he's got sweet feet. He, he's a great oh, pass Oh, he's got protector.
4: sweet feet. I, I'm and sorry. Didn't I didn't get that to, scouting report. Uh, My apologies. I, I, I have no, to yeah. write this
3: down. Charlie, August 4th, <laughs> before he even plays a preseason game, Giants made a huge
4: mistake drafting Evan Neal. Let's write it down. Evan well, put, Neal? No, this no. Evan Neal scouting report didn't have sweet feet. If he had sweet feet, <laughs> they maybe would have well, you know, moved him up a little well, bit. let in me let me, yeah.
6: let me say this. My rating system is like— Oh, your rating system. Your rating system. When is
4: your book coming out for the 2023 (laughs) draft class? Can I get a (laughs) pre-order? Well, if if
6: you're a seventh pick in the draft, you should be a blue
3: chip, right? If if you're seventh pick in the draft. Charlie, do you remember— Right now— Charlie, do you remember the four months of draft prep that we did? Do you remember that? Yeah. And do you remember how I asked every single guest I had on how many blue chip prospects are in this draft? And do you remember what they said? Maybe one. They said maybe. (laughs) No. They They said maybe (laughs) one.
6: One. Okay. So, all right. Look, if he's a corn chip, you know, that's my rating system. Corn chip, cow chip, blue chip, and gold chip is like a Hall of Fame jacket. We don't have any Hall of Fame jackets. We don't have very many blue chips. Maybe Barkley. That's it, as far as I see. And he's a corn chip. So he might be okay. He might be solid. But for a seventh Uh. round... Seventh pick in the draft. You need a blue chip there. All I'm saying is, and then you got Feliciano. Do you think right? Andrew Thomas if, is a blue chip? Uh, he could be. He
3: could be.
4: How did he, he look? Is that a know. potato chip? So. Oh, potato can chip. He, can maybe? he yeah, stay maybe Potato chip. Yeah, tortilla
3: maybe. Can he, can he tortilla? Stay is possible?
4: Yeah. Restaurant style tortilla. <laughs> I want to specify. See, yeah. see, I, see I like the scoops. I, I like the restaurant style. Okay, so you we'll know, <laughs> ask but Andrew Thomas where he stands. He'll break the tie. Thomas has a possibility.
3: Okay.
6: But look at, this, look at the center position. Who do we have behind Feliciano? And then Feliciano's only played two games at center. And then we got, who's our left guard, right? I mean, if we can run the ball and these guys can do that, then that's going to help a lot. But if we can't even run the ball with this offensive line, we're in deep trouble. You look at Philly's D. You look at Washington's D. You look at the guys Titans up front. D. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, and you don't think they're going to eat up this offensive line? If Evan Neal, Mr. Balance, is playing the way he is right now, you think he's going to start on September? I don't. I don't. Charlie, well, I'm, I'm not look, disputing. I'm like,
4: Listen, Charlie, yeah, if your yeah. point is there's some question marks on this offensive line, I don't think really yeah. anyone's going to dispute that. I mean, I would agree. I think some of those questions about Feliciano, Lemieux coming back from injury, you know, we still have to see what happens. But to go in on Neil after four practices is absolutely ridiculous. Two padded practices. I mean, come on. Two, you know, two. I mean, I understand you're not bringing him to Canton, Ohio. Neither am I. But to say that already <laughs> you don't see this guy having some potential because you and your – group of scouts in Maine have come together at the dinner table and are watching clips off Twitter every night. Charlie's and have s- determined his outlook is, come on. Charlie's the stop. same guy that was out on Jamar Chase
3: at, on August 4th of last year because he dropped like four passes in training camp. Yep,
4: I and then stink, look at what Jamar K-K. Chase did. Hey, no, Jamar no, Chase no. is
3: awful. No, He's remember they terrible. were talking about the
4: football's too big, right, for the him? Laces. No, it was the laces. Yeah. yeah, the and, uh, laces. Yeah, the laces. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, because
3: they have hey, stripes on the college ball, but Lamar no State. stripes on the pro ball, so it was hard to see. It was tough, man. Yeah. It, it was amazing hey, how the ball such now. adversity. Guys, yeah. The ball, the ball looked like a dipsy doodle going towards him. Yet, yet, yet another check. Hey guys,
6: I'm I'm the canary in the cold mine. I'm the first one to see anything. And then everybody else later on, like Eric line. Flowers, <laughs> like Daniel Jones, and then everybody sees later, oh, yeah, that's right. So all I'm saying is I see this first, and I just say it could be a big problem. That's all. Okay.
3: Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, guys. Charlie ringing the alarm bell on the seventh overall pick in the draft after two padded practices.
4: Nothing like providing perspective on this show. If that doesn't bring us full circle, I don't know what does. <laughs> I mean – Come
7: on, the chip system is so funny.
3: Yeah, I love the chip system. Yeah, yeah we are definitely we definitely have to make that a running joke with him. There's no question about it.
4: Blue no chip, question about it. Tortilla chip, well, corn and, chip. He's a corn chip. And, so Evan Neal's a corn chip. Well, do you think apparently. we
3: can start like incorporating every type of salty snack? So we could like have like cheese doodles and like funyuns?
4: <laughs> munchos. How about that? Uh, yeah, those? bugles. Maybe yeah. some bugles. Oh. Equal opportunity on this program and this team.
3: How about you, Pearson? What do you like? Salty snack? Yeah, we could do Cheez-Its. Cheez- okay, the could do Cheez-Its. That's pretty good. Cheez-Its isn't bad. Not we have sponsored. to put together, though, a
4: ranking system. Is it the size oh, yeah, of Cheez-Its the chip? cheez is a brand. Is point. it the crunch, though?
3: Well, I mean, well, How do you hold-
4: determine where you align the label with the respective offensive line?
3: Well, I think the nature of the salty snack would have to be related somehow to the nature of the player or the position that we're talking about. So, like, for example, here's a great example. You're talking about a cornerback that had a really bad game. He'd be a barbecue chip as he
4: got roasted. There in we comfort. go. Okay, I like that. Yes. <laughs> now we're yes. on to something. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what happens if it's an offensive lineman that can't stay on his own two feet, though?
3: Um, That's a good question. I think an overweight offensive lineman can be like a cheese puff because they're like a little bit too puffy. Okay, that's right? fine.
4: Yeah. See, I would go for the offensive lineman that can't stay on his own two feet needs to be a chip that just like you can't even hold it without it cracking to pieces or something okay. like that.
3: Well, so, so I think that would probably be a tortilla chip, right? Because those are, you know, the restaurant chips are a little yes. fragile.
4: Okay. Right? Well, I mean, munchos, too, I would throw in there as well. I don't know those... if I've had munchos. What are munchos? Munchos are, I mean, they, they got some substance to it. <laughs> it's hard to describe it. I mean, it's a potato chip. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to get to this portion we, of the we program. We anywhere. So we could do so po- as well poker prepared.
7: chips. We're gambling on them. Oh, like okay. Po-
3: that's not bad, poker <laughs> chips. That's not bad. Good Pre- luck I trying mean,
4: to munch on those.
3: Pretzels. We could try to bring pretzels into the mix. Well, maybe a, a
4: pretzel. A, a person who is a pretzel, right, can't stay on their own two feet. The legs are tangled. So how about that? A I, pretzel. I like, think that's extremely fitting. A really, like, flashy wide receiver could be, like,
3: a Dorito, maybe. What type of Dorito, though? You have a very cool different style. Well, I think Cool, cool Ranch. Cool Ranch. Okay, is that what he threw out? Well, no see, no, see, I think the really flashy one, like an Odell, would be the... Very spicy? Yes, the spicy one. But yes. then, But then someone, like, say, like a... Like a Julio Jones, who was just kind of did his job and went about his business, he would be the cool ranch.
4: Fascinating. We we we, here we have we have
3: quite the system worked out oh, here. Oh, one hundred. This is a great yeah. use of the last two minutes of the show. Looking forward to yes. uh, really
4: implementing this after yes. week three of the NFL regular season. For
3: anyone that's left, um,
4: <laughs> we, <laughs> there's a on chance on planet Earth. <laughs> Yes,
3: uh, th- th- there's a chance we might uh, try to stream during the uh, practice tomorrow night, the uh, the scrimmage at the stadium at six thirty. But we're still trying to figure out some technical details. So check out my Twitter account. We'll have it up on the website too. Hopefully, we'll be able to chance to do that. For Lance Metal, I'm John Schmaltz. Thanks for joining us for episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We will see you next time. Your
0: credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this and this.